Welcome to the We Are Calvary podcast, where our mission is to share Jesus and help people experience life change. Thank you so much for listening. Here's this week's message. Good morning. How are y'all doing? Good. Some are more good than others. Some are. Um, are you ready for the sun today? Someone lovingly sent me a text and said, make sure you hydrate. So there you go. There's your word for the day. Hydrate, hydrate. It's been a beautiful summer for Ray and I. Um, If I haven't met you, my name is Mary Armstrong, and I have the privilege of being part of this community. Uh, I have the privilege of serving on staff. And Ray and I came almost 36 years ago. Um, Don't do the math, okay? (laughs) Unless you go backwards, do subtraction. But... um, We came 36 years ago coming up this Thanksgiving, and uh, there's no place like home. Pastor Taylor said that last week, and I was watching him online, and man, I was cheering you on, because I thought, I know what that feels like. It's funny when God puts you in a place with a group of uh, people, and you let your lives um, emerge or merge together, you begin to develop roots, and you begin to love one another in a way that you you, uh, there's a richness, and that's how we feel about y'all. Ray's not here. You can tell I didn't leave him in Hawaii. Um, he's actually in Red Mountain, and that's his place that he goes uh, once a year. He started that back up again, and he goes to get away and pray and have some just solitude, some time with the Lord. So when you think of him this week, he'll be back in a couple weeks to speak, and uh, just say a prayer for him. And um, we also are going to stand, and we're going to read the word here in a moment, but before we do, I just want to make mention, you've been watching the news about Lahaina, Right? And it would be wrong of us not to lift up our brothers and sisters. Um, Whether they are believers or not, they are God's kids. And we're going to pray for them when we pray here in a minute over the word. We have family members in our congregation that have family that are in Maui with friends that that have not yet contacted a loved one. So it's really close to home. There are people in our congregation that are walking in with this heaviness for their families. And we walk into the building a lot of times and, and we just kind of put it aside and we come in and smile and do worship, right? But today we're gonna carry their burden with him. Can we do that? So let's stand, we're gonna read the word. We're gonna be in Psalm 119 today. And uh, when Ray left, he was supposed to be speaking today, so it's his fault I'm up here, just blame him. But uh, he said, hey Mary, could you speak in, in my place? And I said, I, it's an honor. And immediately, though, everybody had chosen all the Psalms. And I was like, oh man, what's left? Did anyone do Psalm 119? And he's like, no. And I said, yes, because that's mine. That's, I love this Psalm. We're only going to read a small portion of it. We're going to read, um, not all 176 verses, but we're going to read chapter or verse 10 of chapter 119. And it says this, with my whole heart, I seek you. With My whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commands. Father, we love you. We love your word. We just ask your Holy Spirit to empower your living word today in our lives. That it was, we began to talk about the word becoming life to us that whatever the need is in this room, that you'd be able to speak life into them through your word. That the details we're gonna share, the history, that it would enrich in our perspective of what you've done for us, Jesus. And let our hearts become a home 
where your word would take root in beautiful ways. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Lahaina, in Maui, those that are still separated from loved ones and have no, no idea if what has happened. We pray that you bring them a peace and wrap your arms around them. We pray that you help them have um, resolution, help them find uh, the answers they're seeking as far as connecting them with the loved ones. Uh, Father, if those that are walking through loss, not just financial loss, but the loss of, of a family member, we again ask your Holy Spirit to comfort them, send people around them to love them and walk through the grief with them. We ask all this in your wonderful son's name, Father. Amen. You may be seated. All right. So we've spent the summer in the Psalms. Ray and I have had a beautiful time in Hawaii, but we did catch a couple of the messages. And I'm going to go back and just pick up. What we're going to do is a couple things. Um, some of you are going to love the history that I'm going to bring. And then some are like, it, it might be a harder to grasp. But here's what I'm going to ask that you do is Engage enough to catch the richness of the history that I'm going to share with you about the book of Psalms, in addition to what it means to us today. And that's where we're going to go. Psalms is a book of praise, and it's a book that unites all of God's people together. I know that you guys have talked about that, because I remember Pastor Daniel's message where he talks about the suffering and the trials that we can relate to when we read into the Psalms, what the psalmists were writing in their own struggles. And um, so David was one of those such writers right King David if we were to ask you who wrote the book of Psalms a lot of people will say well King David did but actually there were several other people that contributed to the book of Psalms and I'm going to put the graph up on the screen some people have taken pictures of this just because it's a bit of information but it's important here's why it's important Psalms was not written at one time the book of Psalms the book of praise is the course of history Moses wrote one of the Psalms and then King David wrote some of those songs, psalms. And then Solomon wrote a psalm. And then we've got the Levite family that wrote a song, so several psalms, actually. And then there are like 50 psalms that we have no idea who wrote them. We think maybe 12 of them could have been King David, but we don't know for sure. So we, we call them orphans. Orphans. No one likes to be an orphan, but they're, they're ones that we, we can't say who wrote those. And Psalm 119 is one of those such verse, uh, chapters. Um, but Psalm 119 is actually a very, very important um, chapter in the Psalms because it's saying every year to this day, the new year. And I'll tell you why here in a moment. But we can agree that not only is that generational, not only is the book of Psalms written over generations, it's also for our generation, right? There's a saint by the name of Ambrose, and Ambrose said this, the Psalms are the voices of the church. And we have to think about that. What's that mean? Well, sometimes when you're reading Psalms, isn't it just jump off the page? Has anyone been reading it and you can feel David's angst? You can feel the angst of, of the psalmist. You can feel the turmoil of the soul. And that's what that Ambrose is saying, that we all, humanity, can relate and connect to the book of Psalms. John Calvin said, they are the anatomy of all of the souls. So everything about the soul, I think of the feeling wheel. If you've been through Brave Enough, the feeling wheel has all these feelings, all these emotions, good, bad, all jumbled up together, and that's the depth of our souls. There's a, another writer or another author, and we don't really, we, this quote I'm gonna give you, 
We don't know who to attribute it to, but I'm, I think it's beautiful, so I'm going to share it. There are 126 psychological experiences. The only book, Psalms is the only book that contains every experience of a human being. is that kind of interesting? Every experience. And why do we mention all of that? Because Psalms is a book about humanity, isn't it? Psalms is a book that if you go to a Christian counselor or you go to a pastor and you're going through a hard time, 10 to 1, nine times out of 10, they're going to say, let's read from the book of Psalms. Because we can connect. You're laughing. Has it happened to you? There you go. See, we go to Psalms. I've gone to Psalms. Um, But here's the thing. If the book of Psalms is just to pacify our pain and unite us as humanity, we've missed a very rich, um, we miss the richness and the beauty of God. Here's why. Psalms is also prophetic. Did you know that? Psalms is like the book of Isaiah. The Psalms are full of Christ, talking of Christ, talking of the kingdom rule, but there's also 16 messianic psalms that speak specifically to Christ's birth, death, resurrection, and to the second coming of Christ. Now, I mentioned that, but I want to I want to prove that I'm just not saying something. So we can go to scripture and we go to Luke 24, 44. And it says this, Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So Psalms is also a prophetic book and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you, and this has been a little hard for some to grasp, but I'm hoping that we can get it today. I believe Psalms, as much of the Bible, is something that needs to be double grasped. And I'm going to teach you this, and you can do it with me. If you take this hand, you're going to grasp the air. Just do that. Go ahead. See if it's like a workout for your hand. Grasp, okay? What do I mean by this? The reality of humanity, the book of Psalms, We grasp that. We can relate to that. The suffering, the trials, the heaviness of life, the joy, the blessings, humanity. It's a reality, right? There's a reality in the book of Psalms that we say, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I feel that. We grasp that. We understand that. But Psalms is also a book about God's divine revelation. You can do that. Double grasp. Okay, humanity and reality that God is as real as our humanity. Did you hear that? God is real. He is with us. He wants his presence to reside with us. And the two have to mesh or else we're lost without hope most of the time. But to double grasp the word means we connect the reality of the humanity and the suffering we all and the trials we all face and the joys we all walk through with the reality that there's a God and we need his presence in our lives, right? Amen, right? So we're going to focus. I'm going to take you through a couple little other little things before we get into the application. Psalm 119 is too much for us to read. But I'm going to give us an overview. And what I hope you do is this week, you take Psalm 119, you open it up and you put it on your table. 
Put it on your bedstand. Put it somewhere and work through it today or this week as we lay this foundation. So we gotta, we're going to throw up a chart up here. And we're going to go back to the children of Israel. We're going to go back to Psalms during different periods that this book was written. Remember I said it was generational. Lots of authors. Several authors, different generations. This book is coming into play. It's being written. The Psalms are Jewish in expectation and hope. And there's a reason why this is important, and we'll get to it in a minute. The Psalms reveal God who calls Israel his people. And the, song, the, the Psalms are songs adapted for temple worship. Now, that's important because this brings kind of what we do into context too. Do you see the Holy of Holies there? Some of you will know this. This isn't new information to everyone, but someone may not be aware of this. Lance Powers talked about the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Ark of the Covenant, Moses was told by God to set up the tent of meeting. It became Solomon's model for the temple later on. If you go to Israel, you're going to see the temple that's been torn down. So this is, this is historical, but it's also our heritage, your heritage, right? So the, temp, the Holy of Holies is where the Ark of the Covenant was, and that's where God's presence resided. The second court there, the holy place, that's where only the priests could go into, offering the sacrifices. The outer court there, that's where everybody else came where they would bring the festivals and they would bring their offerings and the priests would take it from there. But what they were all doing is realizing that they were in the presence of God, right? And they would come in there and there would be a temple gate, there would be a gatekeeper. And the gatekeeper would be part of the Levites. And the Levite family, they took care of everything in the temple, craftsmen, everything about that temple. One, they had the gatekeepers and they had the musicians in this outer court. And as the people came, can you imagine? Can you see it in your holy imagination? I hope you can. I hope you can immerse yourself back in that time period. And they would come in and as they did, they would sing the Psalms. And one such Psalm is this, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his loving devotion endures forever. His faithfulness continues to all generations. So if we keep Psalm 119 in context, we've got to remember this. It's about that time period. It's about when they sang because out of obedience to God's word, which is what Psalm 119 is about, they could expect his presence to remain with them and he would bless their lives. If you want a title for Psalm 119, we can say Psalm 119 declares the greatness and glory of God's word as the way to God's presence and blessing. So I'm going to put another chart up here. Again, I just, just a little bit of information that helps us before uh, we get into the application of the word. Right there, you can see an outline of that. Aren't you glad I didn't read that? <laughs> yeah. You can see an outline of how this particular psalm is broken down. There's 176 verses. It's the longest book. Um, chapter of in a book. The entire chapter is about the way to God's presence and blessing. Whole chapters about that. It's all about Israelites being obedient to the word. Were they always obedient? What do we know about them? No. They're doing a lot on their own, right? 
the word, the importance of God's word is mentioned 157 times. Do you think it's important? Yeah. Words like this. So when you read it, it's all saying the same. God's words, God's commands. They use words like precepts, word promises, commands, rulers, laws, judgments, and statues. That's throughout the book of 119. All of that means this is the way that you're going to experience God's presence and his blessing. It's an arranged as an acrostic, right? So there's 22 letters. Anybody learn the song A, B, C, D, E, F, G? Anyone? Anyone teach that to your sibling, sister, brother, aunt, uncle, I don't know, child? Sesame Street, Barney, A, B, C, D. Why did we do that? We did that to help. We do that. You sang that as a child to learn your ABCs because we wanted to read. It was a part of our life. It was something that would benefit us. And it was a fun way to learn. Well, guess what? This is the Hebrew alphabet. Okay? Each one of those phrases, those eight verses, start with one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And each one of those verses, someone really had a lot of thought into this, right? Each of that. But the cool thing about this is that um, David, well, let me give you this first. Psalm 119, one through eight, you can see it up there. That letter is called Aleph. Do you know what it means? You ready? First letter of the alphabet. <laughs> Not very profound, but <laughs> practical. Psalm 119, nine through 16 begins with the Hebrew letter Beth. And Beth means house. So all of those verses really speak to this point when we understand that is with all my heart, I'm making my God's word. Well, let me say this again. We make our hearts a home for God's word. So when we read Psalm 119.10, it says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. He's saying with all my heart, my house, my very being, inside out becomes a place, a dwelling place for your word. It is the way to God's presence and blessings. Hang in there with me. We're going to get somewhere with this, okay? Psalm 119, the cool thing is David also did this. We said it was the alphabet, and, and they still sing it to this day, but not so they can learn their, the Hebrew letters. King David taught it to Solomon as the alphabet for the spiritual life the way to, to experience God's presence and blessing. It was the way they would live so that they could have God in their midst. It was the way that was taught from the time they could start to sing their ABCs. It was a place and a way that they lived their life. They were God's people. They were living the way God, or to the best of their ability, now, again, you want to make sure that I'm not making this stuff up. So we're going to go to Moses, Deuteronomy 5.33, and it says this. God told Moses, gave him laws, and then Moses implemented it. And this is one of those verses. You shall walk in all the, the way. That word is direct, and that word happens again in the New Testament. You shall walk in all the way that Adonai, your God, has commanded you. Why? So you can live and it may be well with you and you may prolong your days in the land that you shall possess. 
So the way means this, path to someone's presence. It's a doorway, a path to someone's presence. The psalmist in 119 through that whole chapter, when you read 176 verses on and on about the word, what they're saying is the way, the doorway, the path to God's presence, the intimate presence of God is to do these things, is to obey these things that intimate presence of God. Now the struggle, like us, for the Israelites is, is that you can't do that on your own, right? We really want that intimacy, but we've gotta make, make ourselves willing to sacrifice. We've gotta change our whole world, right? Right? And it revolves not about our way, but whose way? God's way, living because he is holy. And Israel failed to do that, didn't they? They failed to live up to the way, obedience to the laws. And I just had this question hit me as I was studying. It was like, Mary, how often do you try to make God fit into your world versus much like Israel did, um, instead of fitting into his world, his kingdom? And then the thought hit me was this, before we move on to the prophetic part and we cross the bridge to today, you know, when you accept Jesus, you talk about, we teach this. We accept Jesus into our lives, right? We accept him into our lives. And then he's with us. And we go about our life, right? That's how we're taught. That's what we know. But it dawned on me, if we look at scripture, scripture says that God draws us. So if I'm sitting with you and God's up there, it changes the whole picture a little, doesn't it? He draws us into his kingdom, into his way of living. He draws us so we leave behind our living and now we're walking hand in hand in a different way, a different path. And that's important. In, I'm a visual person. I, I, t I wanna see that because it changes the dynamic in which I approach even scripture. Now I said Psalm 119 is prophetic. Are you gonna believe me without testing me? Well, let's test me. Let's go to John 1. Now we're in the New Testament. John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. He spoke them into existence. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Pausing right here. If you go to Psalm 119, you're gonna read how the word is a light into my path. It's a light into the way. We might read that as you light up the way I'm supposed to walk. That's not what that text means when we get the history. He's the light unto the path, the way. He lights the way, the way to the world and the kingdom living he's called us to. Sorry, I got off track. The word, let's go back. The word became flesh. Who are they talking about? What's Jesus. And made his dwelling among us. Who lives among us or lived among them? Jesus. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So, Here's, as we move into the application, here's the point, the connection for today. The past, Israel's history, illuminates the present. 
I hope I can communicate this well, or maybe this is all for me. Um, the past is that through generation after generation after generation, we are knitted together or grafted into the Israelites. We are Gentiles, they are Jewish, but we are nonetheless part of the heritage. And the passion in which that writer, the psalmist wrote Psalm 119 about the word, as he prophesied about what is to come. If we look back through the lens of Christ as we read those verses, we're gonna say, that's in the New Testament. That's what God does in my, that's what the Spirit does in my life. That's the Word actively living in us. And so Psalm 119, the richness is it illuminates what we get to live in. We get to live in the messianic time where Christ is here with us. He sent his spirit to remain with us. And one day the part we haven't lived yet is when he comes back again for the second coming. That's in Psalm 2, by the way. Psalm 2 talks about the second coming. Book of Psalms says it all. And that's rich history. The connection for us as living in the messianic age where the spirit is indwelling us here is that God's word is alive today and he works through the spirit as we're living with him. See, if we put that little temple back up there or the tabernacle, God no longer resides in the temple of the holy and holies. How do we know that? When we read about Christ's death and the thunder and the veil is torn in two, what that means is the holy of holies, we become his dwelling place. We become the temple. He is in our midst. And this is said, you gotta always test me, 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know? You know, when someone says, don't you know? Isn't it kind of like, hey, didn't you know this? This is like important stuff. Don't you know that you yourselves, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in your midst? I just gotta stop there. When I wake up in the morning and the alarm goes off, I'm full on inhumanity. You know, all of it. But I'm also aware that there's a divine God, that God is divine and his presence is with me in my midst. That's why we can wake up green when life, we can wake up with peace when life is a mess. Because his presence is with us. And so how do we respond with that revelation? Psalm 119, all about God's word his doorway, his pathway. So Romans 12, one says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, his compassion and forgiveness that we don't deserve, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Ouch. Ouch. My way, God's way, we gotta let go of this stuff. Offered as a living sacrifice. You know, sometimes the sacrifice comes because we've kept stuff so, so locked up in a box, so pushed down, because it's not safe in here to share it, which is a travesty and a lie of the enemy. And he says, now sacrifice your pride. 
sacrifice what you think is shameful. Offer everything to me. My heart is Christ's home. Make the word, your heart, a dwelling place for God's word and then give him everything. Holy and then we're holy and pleasing to God. And that's our true and proper worship. I've shared this every service and it's just kind of a little sidebar because it gets so quiet in here, so I'll do it again. Um, when we first started Calvary, you know, we had like 12 people. It was pretty little. And so we all had to do lots of things. And so I got to sing on the worship team, right? Well, we got bigger. And then one day our worship pastor came over and I'll never forget it. Such a nice guy. Put his arm around me and he said, hey, Mary, just so appreciate what you've been doing and helping us out, but we don't need you anymore. <laughs> said oh oh okay and then shortly thereafter it was confirmed my middle daughter was riding with me in a car and I've shared this before and I don't remember her age but she was studying my face and I was singing like crazy in the car and she I finally said what and she goes does it bother you that you can't sing <laughs> I said no but apparently it bothers you and it probably bothered all of them every time I was on the platform singing yeah, that our proper worship isn't when we come in here. The worship is what we do every single day with our lives. That's our act of worship. Okay, here we go. The way we reflect, I love this. The way we live reflects how we comprehend God's presence in our lives. The way we live reflects how we understand God's presence in our lives. Jesus said this in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way. Same word that Moses used. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except me. Jesus has just become the gatekeeper into the temple where the Holy, where God's presence. And he's using the same word. So now we look back at Psalms and we understand that the living word is now actively working in our lives. The gatekeeper is Jesus. The way to experiencing God's presence is to follow the living word. And we're not alone. Unlike the Israelites, we have the Holy Spirit beside us, guiding us, teaching us, leading us along the, the way. And then blessings follow. If you go to Psalm 119, I'm going to read the list. This is amazing to me. Hiding the word in our hearts, making it a place in a home, doing our best to follow the way, here's what we can expect in our lives. Purity of living, great riches, wise counsel, strengthens us in grief, broadens our understanding of God, shifts our perspective, the earth is filled with your love, Lord. I don't think too many people would say that. Changes our values to align with God's. Extends value to us. Gives us freedom. Extends promises. Comforts us during times of trouble. We experience God as good, faithful, loving, trustworthy, eternal, compassionate. Gives purpose to our lives. Saves us from death to eternal life. Sustains us during times of trouble. Gives us wisdom to know God. Gives us discernment of God's ways. Gives us understanding of God. Gives us direction. Lights our way. Is our heritage. Is our refuge. Is our strength. Perspective towards others change. We live missionally. We weep for those 
those who do not know or live by the living word, they live with one hand grasp on humanity and they have no clue there's a divine God who wants to be part of their lives, present with them. And here's something that hit me as I was studying, and I'm going to say it boldly because I truly believe it. And I, want, I pray that you open your eyes to start seeing it. The word is no longer a measuring stick where we judge others' spirituality so we can feel good about ours. The word no longer becomes a measuring stick that I can say, hmm, how good are you doing? I'm doing pretty good in that area. I read my Bible every day, but... I'm, I'm not sure about him. Now, I'm being really crass with that, but I don't think I'm very far off sometimes. Their lifestyle, oh, doesn't measure up. Now, I'm not saying, yes, I am saying. That's why people walk in the door and we put on our masks. We might get judged. And I better look pretty good, because if I look pretty good, then I'm going to fit in. Please, God, forgive our hearts. Here's what the word is. So the word, as we get into it and our hearts change and our perspectives change, we don't do that. What we do is we flip the switch. That's actually immaturity. That, that's kind of an immature believer. But what we do is the switch changes and now the word of God is a measuring stick on how well we're growing in obedience to Jesus. How well am I living out the kingdom, the way? How well am I loving? And I have to tell you, I was, I hate it when I do this. Immediately, the Holy Spirit brought to mind, for two years, I've harbored some resentments about someone, some hurt I had, and immediately it came to mind. I was like, oh. So now, guess what I get to do? See, the way says that I have to deal with that. But that's what the word is about. The word is actively alive in me, helping me along the way. And it's not a, a rule stick to measure anything other than myself. And also to help me help others measure themselves. Come along, let me help you with that. So the application is pretty simple here. Not simple, it's actually, here's where we're going. As we wrap this up, Psalm 119, the greatness and glory of God's word. It's what Psalm 119 is all about. Speaks to the way, to God's presence, life and freedom. But humanity, we can't do it on our own. I don't know if you're trying to do it on your own. Maybe you didn't know you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've not been told that God's presence. You've heard about the, the Spirit and you say, oh, he talks to you, but I don't get what that means. And maybe it just all doesn't make a lot of sense, but nonetheless, I would encourage you to pursue what it means because maybe you're not aware that humanity is suffering all of this. There's a divine reality in, in, this, in God through his presence in the spirit that he wants to bring that and meld it together and transformation happens. Like the psalmist, there's three things to do. Like the psalmist, we are to fall in ever-increasing degrees of love with Jesus the living word. He is the way into God's presence. And we hear about Jesus being the way all the time, but what's that mean? The way, Jesus is the living word. If I can paint a clear picture, Jesus is the word. He is the word. 
and the Spirit helps us take this and apply it to our lives. When I was, I have three girls and I love them dearly, but I have four children in heaven. And my last baby was my fourth after my last daughter was born. And um, I lost that baby in my second trimester. Now, why am I sharing that? Up to that point in my life, prayer, I love prayer. I would read my Bible, prayer, prayer, read my Bible, come to church, read my Bible, write in the thing. But prayer was my passion, prayer interceding for others, hearing God speak to me through prayer. And during this time that I got pregnant, I had two people that I genuinely loved dearly. Both have gone to be with Jesus. But at the time, I just highly regarded them, and they prophesied over this baby. So I took it, and I'm, I'm pretty cautious with that. But I was in a place where I wasn't using my measuring stick well. But I took it, and I began to dream of what this child was going to be be like. And then I lost the child. Suffering trial, and I said this, God, do not, I remember just that clearly, do not speak to me through prayer, and do not speak to me through people. I can't trust me. I can't trust me. It wasn't about God. It was about me. I don't know if it's you or not, because obviously that was not to you. And so I hung on and my brother called and he said, hey, Mary. And at that point, I wasn't going into the word either. My brother called and he said, hey, Mary, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. I think you're angry with God. And I said, oh, no, I'm not. No, I'm a good Christian woman. I don't get angry with God. And he said, well, let me take you to the word. And he did. Took me to the word. He started to show me the humanity in the word. And he showed me how God showed up in the anger of people in this word. And what happened is I began to meld the word of God that's living with my circumstance. And I began to, I still said, God, I, I'm not trust this. I trust this. And do you know what? I dug into this word and it transformed me in ways. And I love prayer. But you can't, I was lopsided. It's like I worked out half my body and the other half was super weak. You gotta have both. But I will tell you, it is the word where God speaks to us. One other example, and I'll give you. So one, here's where we're going. One, how is it? Let me ask you this. How in love are you with Jesus? How much have you made your heart a home for his word? And I'm not talking devotion. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about getting in it because you want to know God. I'm talking about devotion, not Bible study. The second is, how much are you meditating on God's word? And let me see if I can, and this is how you're going to know if the word's in your heart. If, my, if the word, if the living God is, I'm in love with the word of God and I'm hiding it in my, I'm reading it, then I'm ready when life happens. My mom, I get a phone call. My mom says, uh, or not my mom, my brother says some things about my mom. And you know what I said? Fine, I'm on a plane. I'm on my plane. I'm going to set her straight. I'm getting down there. I'm, I'm you know. And I, I pause long enough to hear the Spirit say, be still and know that I'm God. See, the Word is in my heart, living, active, directing me in the way. Be still, know that I'm God. And I thought, oh. So I walked this building eight or nine, ten times, I don't know, long time until I truly understood what that meant. Well, be still meant, calm down. I got calm. Now it was, be, be still, know that I'm God. I'm God. 
God, what do you mean you're God? Yeah, I'll take care of it. No, you won't. Not like me. I can do it better. No, you can't, Mary. You don't know what's going on. Now, did he say those words? No, but that was the wrestling in my soul. Be still and know that I'm God. And then finally, so one, the word is in our hearts. It's a home. Two, we know that the word is to be meditated on during our life, during our daily living. And when I meditated on that and I said, okay, be still, don't do anything. Guess what? I had a choice. Now I had to be obedient. I could say, okay, thank you for that, God. Now I'm going to go down and fix it. I've not... I've done that sometimes, but not this time. This time I said, okay, okay, I'll leave it to you and I'll walk away. And do you know what? God actually worked it out. Surprisingly so. I probably would have messed it up. So what's the application for you? Our world is to revolve around God's way, the way. Where's God in the heart, in, the, in your heart, in your life? Where, what's your passion? Where's, is your heart his home? There's a book called My Heart, Christ's Home, and it talks about this cute little booklet, talks about the closet. And the closet is full of all the stuff that we want to keep hidden. Most of the time, that's the stuff that makes us feel bad about ourselves. Most of the time, that's the lies that we believe that we're trying not to acknowledge. It's the stuff we've done that we wish we never did. It's the words we said that we wish we had never said. It's the decisions we made that hurt other people. It's the, the things we're not proud of. And we put them over in a closet and we shut the door and then we try to act like God doesn't know about that part of our life. And we go around and when other people ask us things, we just act like life is super good. And this little booklet says Christ wants all. He wants that room too. And you've heard that before. This isn't new, you guys. But for some reason today, I'm standing on this platform and God has put that word on my heart. And I don't know, maybe you've heard it before, but maybe it's gonna be new to you today. Maybe you needed to be reminded, I needed to be reminded. God's already spoken to me. And the reminders are, check our hearts. Is it a dwelling place for the living word? Are we meditating it? on it. Today, do you need to stop and get out of this room and think about why am I worrying about tomorrow? Matthew 6 says, today has enough worries. Just trust because God will provide because he provides for the sparrows. He'll provide for me today. Maybe you have to think about that first. Maybe you have to meditate on there is no fear in love. There's no fear in love. Maybe you have to meditate on God's going to meet all my needs. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He'll meet my need too. What is it for you? We're going to stop and, and the team's going to play. And this is just because we want to capture the moment. When we still leave these doors, we're off eating lunch and doing life. Be real. But let's not miss the moment right now for the Spirit to maybe speak to you because he's in your midst, not the church. He's in your midst. What does he want to say to you? What word do you need that needs to come alive in your soul today? Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to partner with us in sharing Jesus and helping people experience life change, 
You can support our mission by clicking the link in the description. If this message has impacted you, please subscribe and share. To learn more, visit wearecalvary.com. We'll see you back next week.